Over to you, Nicola. Thanks, Robbie. So next Sunday is our Outward Focused um, collection. And each and every year, this is, this is a great time around church, a time we can all come together and do this. You know, Christmas is a time for many of joy and celebration. But for those other people, these next few weeks are filled with dread and anxiety. And I don't need to tell you that this winter is one like no other. And I've been here in this role for 10 years and we thought we'd hit it bad when it was COVID times. It's nothing like it is out there right now. And so, um, yeah, we just want to bless people. And it's incredible when people are phoning right now to ask about Christmas hampers, that we can help them right from now with the pantry. And so people are signing up for our pantry and we're helping them through these next few ways, weeks in that way as well. So Christmas hampers are going to look a wee bit different this year. It's going to look more like Christmas in a box. And um, there's going to be all the lovely things that they will need for Christmas Day and the following day. Um, a £20 meat voucher for the butchers, all their vegetables, um, all the nice things. I'm not going to start to list them all, but you get the picture. Crackers, everything that's going to make their Christmas is going to be in that box. And just what an incredible way to bless all of our pantry users um, across this area and just take that wee bit of pressure off them. And we'll be supporting some of those families with gifts. Um, I don't need to explain that. You guys know, know the way. There's kids in the room. But we will be blessing those families, some of them with that too. Um, is there a slide up there, guys? Just in case I don't touch base and everything. Because I want everybody to realize there's a massive thing goes on at Christmas. Um, we have our blessing bags. There is going to be... Just hold it up. Yeah. Can't see this. 2,000 of these are going to go into homes. So, obviously, it's going to have a wee ribbon on. It's a Christmas tree decoration, but I wanted to show you guys. We are going to walk the streets and put this Christmas decoration into every single home. And it says on it, God with us. What a message to put into people's hands this Christmas. That actually, no matter what's going on in our circumstances, things out there are really tough for people right now, but no matter what, God is with us. And each and every one of those will have a leaflet with them to um, just invite them along to things over Christmas and to what's happening around here. And right now, people need hope. And what a message of hope that we can actually bring. Um, you can't, it hasn't come up, but yeah, obviously we've got um, the Aspire. Each and every kid that goes to Aspire, we want to bless them with a really good Christmas gift. Each one of those kids, they um, are on free school meals. And so we would want to make sure that they've got a really good gift this year, like we do have done for the past few years. And Connect Christmas Dinner is in two weeks' time. Connect Christmas Dinner is incredible. Um, if you're, like, if you're about, I'm going to invite you along. But there's over 140 people coming to Connect Christmas Dinner this year. And it's just such a fun day to celebrate with people from our community um, and a bit, of, a bit of fun and crack, really. And um, finally, I'm going to mention, but you can see in the list, our guest from Becombra Children's Home. This one broke my heart this week in a way like it, it maybe just hasn't impacted me as much so far. But we have, we have partnered with Becombra Children's Home for the past few years and buying those kids gifts. Last year, there was 15 children. Now, there's 16 to 19-year-olds in there. There was 15. We filmed this week for the number. There's 35 kids there this year. You know, and the girl was saying, so there's only a couple, there's only one or two that will receive another gift, bar what we get for them. You know, so we want to really bless those kids, tell them that they're seen, that they're known and they're loved. And so I know times are hard right now, but I am really asking you, what can you go without this Christmas so that others can have? This all takes money, but... 
God's not broke. <laughs> you know, time and time again, we see God show up. I'm not even going to tell you what this is going to cost. I'm trusting and we're believing that this is, that, that money will come in. And so what can you do without that others will have? So if you take these envelopes, they're available at the back this morning. Um, we would love then for you to bring them again next Sunday. Thank you. Yeah, I give a round of applause. Yeah, the, the Outward Focus Christmas is uh, amazing every year. It blows me away, just all that the Compassion Team leading us into in that as a church. Um, and it, it's, it's a, a tight Christmas for all of us, but what an opportunity we have to bless our community, to show the love of God to our community. Um, and so please be, be praying, be thinking about what you could be given towards that this year. And as Nicholas said, even go on without so that you can give so that others can have. Um, so much that goes on there um it's just incredible um and so many people i know are blessed and touched by what we're able to do at christmas so um please keep praying and considering that over these next few weeks in the lead up to our our we're focused uh, given <clears throat> um the weekly flow is on the screens for you there um so i'm not going to go through all of that there's lots of stuff happening lots of stuff on so that'll be on all, all our social medias as well the, the um the weekly flow so you can have a look at all of that and Make yourself aware of what's on and what you need to be at. That would be great. Um, the baptism service is going to be uh, next week here at 5.30. So it's going to be in here in Emmanuel and Lurgan. We're going to have our baptism service. You can sign up on the website if you'd like to get baptized. Or you can come and chat to um, one of the guys, to Dave or, or Rick or, or Phil, if you want to get baptized. Um, that would be great. So um, just remember that that's happening next week. And there's still time to sign up if you'd like to get baptized and then just finally before Dave comes up <clears throat> so this is important right that we're having a, a Emmanuel Portadown's fifth birthday celebration instead of our Seek First Night so that's not going to be here that's going to be in the building in Portadown so I can't believe it's been five years since Portadown um, has started five years since Al stood on the stage here and cried and said he was leaving um, going to port it down. I can't believe that was five years ago, but it's going to be a great night just to celebrate all that God has done um, through our church in port it down and his faithfulness to us uh, in this journey. Um, so please come along as we celebrate together as one church family in port it down next week for their fifth um, birthday. So that'll be great. So let's welcome Dave. Um, reach your hand out to him uh, as we pray for him as he comes. Yeah, Father God, we just want to um, thank you for all that you've been doing already here this morning. We want to thank you for Dave. We want to thank you for the prep that he's put in this week, for how he's just discerned and created space just to listen to you, God. And we just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that he would hold his words before you and that you would even just um, reveal what it is that you want him to say and what it is that you don't want him to say. And we just pray that he would impart what it is, God, that you want to say to us this morning. Pray that we would open up our hearts, God, and just be receptive, would soften our hearts to what it is that you want to say to us. Would you challenge us, encourage us, and inspire us today? We thank you, God, that your word is alive. We thank you that it's God-breathed, and we pray as we open up your word now that you would speak to us. And Jesus, you're the word in the flesh, and so I pray that we would uh, be shaped and molded into your image as we read the word, that we'd learn to walk in your ways and your truth and your life. So come and have your way. Speak now, God, for we're listening to you. Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thanks, Ryan. Morning, everyone. Thank you. I'm on. Am I on this one? I wasn't. 
Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Yes. There we go. That, I picked it up. There we go. Morning, everyone. Good, good to be together in church this morning. Uh, well, what a song even we finished with in worship this morning. Um, I've, I've loved that line, and I feel like that's even a line to bring through and to weave through what we're talking about this morning. In your name, we come alive to declare your victory. Um, we've started, and that's where we got to last week. I'm going to just pick up straight away and continue on. Last week, we got to Jericho. We've worshipped and celebrated around the walls coming down in Jericho, those moments of victory. But this morning, I want to talk about what it is to declare victory. I'm ringing here, aren't I? You can hear a bit of feedback. Um, I want to talk to about what it is to be a people who declare victory in our lives in an ongoing way. And so we're going to just jump straight in. Joshua 6 is where we were last week. I'm going to just read just a few of the verses that we did last week, verse 15 to 21, um, and just lead into where we want to get today. Because the reality is, and, and as Robbie's rightly said, well, it's one thing stepping into victory it's another thing keeping it and living a life of sustained victory and this is where we want to center ourselves today and to ask God how can we proclaim and declare your victory in our lives what are some of the ways we do that and this is what it says Joshua 6 verse 15 firstly says this on the seventh day they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner except that on that day they circled the city seven times the seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city, and they devoted the city to the Lord. This, this idea about, we looked at last week about how God just was giving a strategic now word moment to them. While the children of Israel knew about the victories that had in the past, God needed to say something specific and new and fresh in this new now moment to them about how victory and what it was going to look like. And I'm sure in their heads it was never like this. They never had imagination of the way that we'll take the city is we're just going to march around it a few times. We're going to give a shout and this is where victory is going to come. But God was talking about the significance of what it is to listen to him to be guided by his voice, to be able to sustain victory. It's important that we don't try to imagine this ourselves, but we listen to his voice only. And also that we recognize that there's a certain time when the Lord leads us into these things at the right time. And we, we read a psalm last week. It just simply finished with these words, wait on the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait on the Lord. Sometimes when we can lose heart, we just want to rush ahead. We want to do it in our own way and we want to take control of it ourselves. But the word of the Lord is wait wait on his time. Some of the words we just read there in Joshua 6, I just want to just labor on one of the verses, and this is the bits and bold, and it simply says this, keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. And, and in terms of this proclaiming, declaring a life of victory, one of the ways that we get to do that in an ongoing way in our lives is by choosing to live a life of devotion onto the Lord. That's what we want to be looking at. Phil and I are going to be looking at this over the next couple of weeks. 
we're going to be looking about how we step into a sustained measure of victory in life. Is when we choose as the people of God not just to settle for that moment of breakthrough that we've had and to continue to look back and to celebrate it, but to be a people who choose to devote ourselves unto the Lord. And with this, this is how we declare his victory in our life. When as a people we think in a different way, when we think how God wants us to think that this is, we are, we are proclaiming and declaring your victory over our lives by how we even conduct ourselves. We're going to be looking specifically, Phil and I, today and next week, particularly around this first point of possessions, and then we're going to finish off our series briefly, looking at these last couple of points and weaving in a couple of other thoughts. But today, I want us to look and think about our possessions, how we as a people can model out a life of victory even by, by how we use what God has given to us. As a staff, we, we met at the beginning of the week, and um, as we always do on Mondays, and David Legg was in with us, and just doing, just praying in some different areas, and he mentioned this thought, and, and to be honest, it, it wasn't his main thing that he was saying, but I, it, it struck me, and I just, I've been, I've been, it's one of those, moments, you know when people say something, you think about it all, all, all week, there's been in my mind, I, I spoke about it on Monday night as well. And, and he, he said this, this line, you know, because sometimes in our lives we recognize and we want to celebrate the victory of Jesus' forgiveness and salvation in our lives. And in that moment when Jesus has taken our sins and has paid the price for it on the cross, and in return we get his righteousness. And God, because of that, declares us holy. And this is, like, this is the ultimate victory in our lives when our sins can be forgiven and we are dressed in his righteousness, and it's that and that alone that means that we can be in relationship with the holy God, not because of our own efforts, but because of the victory of salvation in our lives. But yet, one of the things that can so easily happen is that we can be a people that thinks, this is all just about preparing us for a life to come. Holiness is just about the fact that one day we will be with Jesus forever and in heaven, but yet the reality is that God, as a father who loves us, just doesn't want to make us a holy people God actually wants us to be a people who are whole. The victory in our lives, the ongoing victory in your lives, God doesn't want us, this, he isn't just settled or satisfied with the fact that we are people that are proclaimed and declared holy, but God actually over our lives wants you to be whole. God wants us to be a people who would live wholly devoted. God wants us to be a people who would live into a sustained measure of wholeness, and our very beings and our very minds, that this would be a victory and a declaration that we could speak over our lives because of the work of what Jesus is doing in us and through us. The way that we do this is by living this life of devotion. And let me just say this, living a life of devotion is no longer just simply about, and this is where sometimes our minds go, like when you become a Christian, when you're saved, suddenly a life of devotion is about the things that we can't do anymore. Does your mind often go to that? Sometimes the old ways of things that we can't do. And yet when it comes to this life of wholeness, being whole before God, we need to recognize that a life of devotion is about the fullness and, and the more of what we are now released into and what God wants to bring us into and being able to think in a redeemed and a new way. And that's where I want to firstly frame this, even around our understanding when it comes to our possessions this morning. That there's a fuller way of being able to live. There's a way of being able to declare the victory of God in our lives, even by how we use our possessions, how we use our money. We're going to be talking about our money this morning and primarily around the principle of tithing. Let me just say this, this one fundamental underlying truth over, over this all. And we need to get this, and this, is, this doesn't seem like rocket science what I'm about to say, but we need to understand this. Everything, absolutely everything that we have, 
comes from and belongs to God. Right? Everything that we have comes from and belongs to God. Scripture tells us this, like Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created in the midst of emptiness, void, like there's a vacancy. God starts to fill and to populate and to create, and everything that is here on this earth is because he created it. It's his. It belongs to him. He's God. He's created it, and in the beginning for his humanity, he entrusted us to be able to share it well. The psalmist says this, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Paul says this to the church in Corinth along the same lines, for the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. And so we need to have an understanding this belongs to God. And yet in our fallen way and in, in, a, in a fallen mindset, what can so often creep in is that we're saying, but this is mine. This, I, I own this. I want to be the person that is the master of my own destiny. I want to be responsible and control of this all. And this, what happens is that there's a, there's a greed mindset that can so often creep into our lives where we want to hold things for ourselves. We want to be able to control our own way. And yet God in love for us as his children wants to lead us. Let me, let me just say this line. When I put this word on the screen, don't let it freak you out. I think I've mentioned it a few years back. I teach on it and grow a few times as well. But this, how we read and understand the Bible and how we understand what God is saying to us, we need to filter it through what's known as this, a redemptive hermeneutic. Hermeneutic is our interpretation of Scripture. Redemptive is just how God is restoring all things to what he originally intended it to be. So the narrative that we read in the Bible from beginning to end is how God is leading his people through a pattern so that we can be redeemed and restored into all that he originally intended for us. Let me show you this in a diagram. Guys, even for this one, if we can make sure people at home are seeing this as well so they can follow along, because it will not make sense if you don't see the diagram. In the beginning, God created. We know this, and God created a really, really good world. At the end of each of the days, he looked and he said it was very good. And then in Genesis chapter 3, sin comes, in, sin comes into the world. The, the, the serpent tempts Adam and Eve. Sin comes into the world, and humanity falls into a completely fallen state. This is the fall that happens. Culture that happens off the back of that. There's hundreds and hundreds of years, and what happens is it's just a barbaric society culture that is completely separated from the ways of God. People here are no longer in relationship with God because of sin. People here are living on to themselves, and culture is just nuts. It's just crazy. Genesis 3, 15, though straight away, there's a promise. And what it says in Genesis 3, 15, this is God speaking to the serpent. It says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, you shall, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. There was a promise here straight away of a redeemer, of a rescuer. This is the first prophetic word we hear about the Messiah, the one who was coming. And this is what we need to know is that God wasn't just doing this in a reaction to sin coming into the world. You see over on the left-hand side now at the top, my fancy red X, which illustrates that actually before the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us this, there was a plan, there was a purpose, there was a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. God always had this plan, but yet this is what God does because God is a good father. We need to, this is the thing that I repeat time and time again, particularly in Grow, he is a good father who loves us. He is a good father who wants the best for us in our lives. And so what we see is that even as we read the Old Testament, and we see some of the rules and the regulations. What is happening is that into this culture, grasp this, God, out of love to humanity, God is almost taking them by the hand and is leading them step by step by step closer towards his original purpose because he knows that his purposes are good for your life. God is not a God who loves making rules and laws and regulations, but God is a God who delights in his humanity living fully. He's not into rules. He's not into laws, but he's into his people living fully. 
And so God starts to lead his people step by step. You see the line going up. And then Jesus comes. Jesus is born. Jesus lives a life. And as he's here, he proclaims the kingdom of heaven amongst us. And he leads us. And he demonstrates us much, much closely to God's original purpose. Jesus, obviously, buried, he, he's, he dies. He, he resurrects. He ascends back to heaven. And at this point, in, in, in Pentecost Sunday, as the church is born, this is the period that we're in. This line where we are trying to continue to walk closer and closer to God's original purposes for us. Robbie prayed a line at the end. He says, Jesus, one day you're going to come back. And he will. And as Jesus comes back, he's going to restore all things. He's going to restore all things to the original purposes. Isn't that good news? And yet looking at the line at the bottom, this is what we need to grasp. And even what I'm about to say today, even when we talk about some of the principles like tithing, what we need to understand is that God as a father who loves us and God as a father who wants the best for us is leading us as his people and leading us into a new way of thinking that helps us to live fully. I need, us to, need you to hear this this morning, that Jesus laid out this principle that we wouldn't be a people that would simply live, live in the land of just enough almost to do just enough to appease God or to appease a sense of guilt in our own lives, but that we would be a people that would step into the fullness of all that he has for us. And it's into this that we speak about tithing this morning. If you've never heard of the word tithing, it's a Hebrew word. That's the Hebrew for it, you see in the word. Um, and it simply means a tenth. Biblically, what we see about tithing, tithing in the Bible refers to giving 10% of your annual earnings, productions, or possessions. I'm aware this morning that there's young people in the room. So this isn't just about as you get your wage and your salary. But imagine this, what it might even be like, young people, that as you get your pocket money, when the monies that come to you, this was a principle. And let me state this. This was a principle that God was leading people into, that we, there was something that we were giving on to the Lord as a principle with us. Because remember what happened at the beginning, and this is really important. When God created all things, he delegated to us actually to be able to steward his creation well. At the beginning, it was never about ownership. It was about stewardship. And yet we think that it's about us and about what we own. What God did at the beginning was never about ownership. It was about stewardship. And this is what, even through this principle, God was starting to redeem his people and their mindset of being able to do, could you steward this well for me? And he said that this belonged to him. And this, this is the point that's really important. Tithing is first introduced in Genesis 14. We read about Abraham. He, he tithes onto Melchizedek, the king of Salem. And then there's another reference of tithing in Genesis 28 as Jacob tithes onto the Lord. The reason why I want to just stress and I'm going to keep it up is because this is when God, as a father who loves us, and remember God is a good God who loves his children. And God, what he does is here he starts to lay down the principle for his people to be able to grasp and to take hold of so that they could come alive and that in their minds they could start to think in a more fuller way. It was a principle. This wasn't laid down as law, as rule, as regulation until Leviticus 27. Leviticus 27 is where it comes in, tithe is introduced to the law. This is the verse that we have, tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit for the trees or from the trees, they belong to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. This was when it became that the children of Israel, they were told, you have to do this. You have to do this. It became like a, almost like a legalistic way of like what God was expecting them. But going back to this, let me just simply say this. Many people, and I hear this time, and I've heard it in my own narrative when it comes to tithing, many people will say, well, that's just Old Testament language. <laughs> Particularly people say, that's Old Covenant. We're under the New Covenant. <laughs> Let, this is why I want to say this. 
Tithing is something that was not to do with covenant legalism. It was a godly principle that he was leading his people in. It wasn't a law, it was a principle. They're two completely different things. The new covenant can't come to do away with something that was never established as part of the old covenant anyway. It was a godly principle that the old covenant reinforced. Do you get that? So the new covenant can't do away with something that the old covenant never came to actually try to set up. So tithing still exists. The principle, I'm going to show us just in a picture way and just to help us with this. And this is why verses like this in Proverbs then are really important for us to hold on to. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Now, here we go. I uh, am a bit of a visual guy. And I remember when I first came to the church here about 15 years ago, one of the guys at that stage showed something like this. And this is the thing, I've never forgotten it. And so I want us to almost try to grasp this today. Here I have 10 buckets. Remember, a tithe is a tenth, right? A tithe is a tenth. And if you're rubbish at maths, let me show you then by using buckets, right, this morning. Here I have 10 buckets. A tenth means one of these 10. You can see I've got one orange bucket. This is going to represent my tenth. But when it comes to this, this is the reality. So all of these buckets represent all that I have. So in terms of my salary, my income, and here with each of these buckets, as we go through with these, with these nine, ten buckets, Robbie, come and help me separate these, will you, will you actually? These are cheaper buckets from B&Q, so they don't come apart that easily. Please don't be offended if you work in B&Q or provide for them in any way. But uh, so here we have B&Q's bargain buckets, and there were, there's ten of them as we go through here. And uh, where's, where's my orange one? Here it is here. We're getting through this right way. So th th this is the part that as, as we start to look at these, and I want to keep these all here so that I can try to to help us to see part of this. When it comes to tithing, this, this is all that I have, right? This is all of my income. So whether you receive your wage on a weekly basis, monthly basis, or even you're thinking annually, this is all that the Lord has blessed me with in my life. And when it comes to this principle of tithing, what the Lord is asking us to set apart is he's saying, this one, this one out of the 10 belongs to him. This is the principle of tithing. Remember, he's helping us to think in a fuller mindset rather than the people who will think to themselves, oh, great, this is all mine. What can I do about the things that I really want and the things that I really like in my life? I'm making it all about me. God is helping us to think. Because remember, it was never about ownership. It was about stewardship in the beginning. So how do we steward it well? And God says that actually this, this is the part that belongs to him. And we're told to tithe unto the Lord, to give unto the Lord. And the amazing thing is when I look at this, it doesn't actually feel like a bad deal, if I'm being honest, because this one belongs to the Lord, but this one, and 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 this one, I get to choose what I want to do with it. They're, they're like, God's saying, I, I can take care of these ones, but this one belongs to him. This is the principle of, it's the principle of tithing. It's not the law of tithing. It's, been done. it's the principle of tithing that's been here. All of these all of these, I now get to be part of helping, helping to steward them well, even in my life, to be able to live fully. And so I'm going to talk later just really practically how we need to make wise choices and decisions when it comes to the rest of these. In the book of Malachi, God actually says these things. He says, I, the Lord, do not change. That's really important. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? 
Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you, Lord? And God says this, in your tithes and your offerings, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in the house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. This is the principle. God doesn't change and this is part of what he's calling us as a people in terms of how we live fully and how we declare victory with a renewed and re a redeemed mindset. It's like, God, how, how do I live well and fully into all of this? This belongs to you, but we're going to look in a little while. How do I live fully with the rest of this? What are some of the wise choices that I need to make? And the amazing thing is that Jesus comes along and starts to speak into this. So while you might think still, actually, no, 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 that's Old Testament stuff. Jesus comes along and starts to speak into this as well. And so Jesus even says this, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give on to the Lord what is his. Like Jesus is really, really practical. That's what I love about my Lord. <laughs> he pretty much is saying this, pay your taxes and give to God what's his. Pay your taxes and give to the Lord what's his. This is what Jesus, in terms of living fully, and by this I mean like by being able to live a life of faith and obedience unto the Lord and everything that we get to enjoy in the principle of, of course, of course we can, if we were to use this all, of course we can enjoy different things. But in terms of being able to live fully into the enjoyment of what God has for us, this is why it's important about how we live out what God is leading us into. Jesus again said this in Matthew 5, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets, I've come, not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Again, Jesus hasn't come to end anything. And this is, the, this is the amazing thing for me that I just see with this. When it comes to this, this was like the foundation that everything else was going to be built on. And what Jesus came to actually reveal is that standing on this foundation Jesus now comes to tell us how we can live fully into all of these areas. So that, because I don't know about you, but even sometimes with this, I can be legalistic as well and say, well, I've given God my tenth. I've given him enough. I'm going to just worry about the rest of these myself. And yet the reality is what Jesus comes to actually show on this is that he hasn't come to abolish or to end it, but he's come to fulfill this. And so he shows us how to live fully in this. And so this is where I'm starting to ask, even right out of this other bucket that I have, I'm going to give my Outward Focus Christmas collection next week. It's, it's not coming from this. This belongs to the Lord. I'm going to give out of this one. And yet I recognize that that in itself means that there's going to be, have to be, I'm going to have to think about how I'm using well these other buckets. I've started to even have, like, using Monzo, creating pots of money to help me do this because I'm rubbish at it just to be practical around it. But so even with this, I'm starting to ask, right, if, I'm, if I want to give, and I am going to give, and I want to give next week, I want to choose to do it because I want to be a generous person. Can I say this? And I know it's some of the language that we use. See, when we give our tithes and offerings, we're not being generous, we're being obedient. This is when we're being generous. <laughs> this is when we're being generous. When we start to ask, God, how can I live more fully to allow other people to live more fully? How can I go without so other people can go with, as Nicola used the language? This is when we start to get to practice generosity. And guys, this is when we start to enjoy the life of a believer. 
you might think, well, that sounds pretty rubbish, which means we've got less money, but how we start to live into the fullness of all that God is leading us into, and imagine the gift and the beauty of what it's about. That's why when it comes to New Testament language, and I agree with this, you don't really hear much about tithing, but we'll hear about offerings. You hear about how this is given on to it. And Jesus, Jesus references, I think just for time's sake, he references uh, in Mark chapter 12, he talks about how this lady, this widow comes, and in the comparison, she gives like one or two coins. The tax collectors, everything are there, and they're, the tax collectors are giving their just enough. And man, they're being really religious about it. They're probably one of those ones that when they're putting the coin in, they're, bang, they're throwing it in so people can hear the coins going in. They're giving on to it in that way. And yet this woman, what she did was she gave two coins. And Jesus said, like, she gave everything she had. This woman chose that she wasn't just giving this. She was giving all of us. At this moment, she was giving it on to the Lord. All of that being said, for the last five, seven minutes, let me just be really practical about this. Because there might be some thoughts. I don't know about you and where you've come from, even in your faith journey, even from different church backgrounds. This isn't an Emmanuel thing. Let me say this, this is a godly thing. And this is why we want to teach on, in terms of like a generation next principle for us, in terms of what it is for us as the people to live fully and wholly devoted unto the Lord, this is one of the key areas. This is where God searches our heart. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Bible says and somehow we just want to hoard and hold on to for us. And yet this is where we start to, to let go and to live more fully. And so it's into this. Here's some of the questions that I think might be going through people's minds. Firstly, this. Seriously, you're talking about tithing right now when there's a cost of living going on. I am not being dismissive of it one minute. I recognize that we are living in a really, really difficult time. Nicholas said that as well. This is why we're doing the Outward Focus Christmas Collection. We are living in a really difficult time. And yet, and I think it's one of my next points, so I don't want to go into it just yet, but he had to recognize that even at this difficult time, that it means that we as people need to be wise with how we are using our money. Sometimes we can say, oh, I don't have enough, but one of the reasons we don't have enough is because we're trying to, to use money in this season like we have in past seasons based on what we've had. In this season, it's tighter. And so what I would be saying is, I'm still going to give this to the Lord in this season, but now what I'm saying is in this season, in this tighter moment, the season of our lives, because this is where we do need to be wise and for all of us, this is what I'd be encouragement to you. You need to start thinking, how are we reorientating these other nine buckets? How are we repositioning? How are we pulling back in some ways? Some of those things that we like to do, they're luxuries that we have in our lives. What are some of the ways that we are thinking afresh about it and being wise in the decisions that we're making? So that we don't get to the end of the month and we're thinking, oh, for goodness sake, I have no money again. And I give on to that flipping church. <laughs> it can often be a mindset that goes in, and that's where our minds can go. And yet... It's like we're giving this unto the Lord. We're being wise. We're making wise choices when it comes to this. Another thing people can be thinking is tithing and, well, what about me? God, if I do give this, actually, will I have enough? And I just want to say this. You know what? This is a, change, this is a changing season. It just feels like no one can really predict where things are going to go. If you've got some wise people, you'll try their best to, but it's, it's a really difficult moment right across the globe, right across the world. And while seasons change, this is the one thing that I know never changes is the word of God. God's word will never change. And as God wants to lead us, it's the same through every season of life. 
in the establishment of how God wants to do this. And this is one of the things that I do know about my God and my good God. He will meet your need. I am not saying this is not a prosperity gospel. If you give this, your life's going to be full of luxuries. This is why Jesus in the Lord's Prayer said, God, give us this day our daily bread. Give us what we need. Skipping through these verses is why in Matthew 6, Jesus said, you don't need to worry about what you worry. You don't need to worry about what you eat. He says, but just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added on to you guys. This is where we start again. We've talked about the whole journey of faith, the crossing over as they went across the Jordan, all of this. This is another way when we get to daily declare victory. We get to live out faith in this way. And this is why, going back to that passage in Malachi, this is why God says, test me in this. Test me in this. Again, it's not a prosperity gospel message, but this is the one thing that I would testify to. There have been some really, really, really tough months for me financially. And I'm sure in all of your lives, I look at different seasons, there have been some tough months. And yet, as I've given on to the Lord, there's never been a month where, like, I haven't been able to do anything. God has given me what I needed and has been faithful in my need. Yes, there's been seasons where I've had to go without some of the things that I really like and I really wanted to do. And it feels like one of those seasons at a minute, but it's just, this is where I need to be wise and be asking, I need to be careful what I'm doing in these so that I'm not overspending at this really important time, this really hard time, but this belongs to the Lord. And this is my devotion unto him. And that's never gonna change apart from where I get to my last point. I'm gonna hold on to that in a second. Last thing is this, guard your heart. You know, the Bible's really clear that the struggle that we have and our lives and against our souls is this, the world, the flesh, and the devil. We blame everything on the devil, and it's not all to do with the devil. We've got influences around us in the world. The book of Ephesians 2 talks about this. And then we've got our own flesh. We've got our own weakness. And when we get in Joshua, so in Joshua 6, when we get to Joshua 7, we're introduced, Phil might reference him next week, the man called Achan. And Achan was part of the children of Israel. And when he was there, he saw some of the things that were devoted unto the Lord, the gold, the bronze. And he liked what he saw. And grow, we, when we're teaching on temptation, we say that we see repeated in the biblical narrative and even in our own lives, these three steps that go over and over again, looking, desiring, and doing. The looking part, so it's like when you see something or a thought comes into your mind, that in itself is not a sin because we get those things all the time. But what we do with it is really significant. What we do with the next context of this is crucial for us in our lives. And so when you have that thought or when you see that thing, do we, do we quickly stop it and do we quickly try to control it? And so what happened with Achan was this. Achan looked at these things and he started to think, oh, that looks amazing. I would love some of that for me. And what he did was he took it and he hid it below his tent. The children of Israel were defeated in battle. God points out that this is the man who's done this and there's a reason why. And we see in the narrative that Achan dies as a result of it. It leads to destruction in his life. Do you know what? I, I don't think for one minute, I don't think for one minute that if we don't give her tithe, we're going to end up like Achan and we're going to die as a result of it. But yet the Bible is really clear. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus says the enemy's purpose is to steal, kill, and to destroy. And one of the ways that he does it is even as he destroys our lives and we don't get to live fully into some of these areas because, again, we hold on for ourselves. And so this re it's really simple as this, a principle for me that I've needed to have. And I recognize this when I first joined the church and again, I, I think it was a bit of a prideful way, if I'm being honest. So with the, tie, the baskets going down the rows, there's a part of me love being seen to 
make a big deal, you know, shaking the pockets and, and, and lifting things out and putting into the basket. I love, and it's great being able to give on to the Lord and that way and being part of the church community in that way. But yet there came moments where there was just tight months, tight weeks. And for me, there came times where I just thought, I could really do with some of that tithe money. <laughs> I really, and there was weeks, I'm being honest, I didn't give. I didn't give on to the Lord. And there came this point where I realized, man, my flesh is weak. <laughs> I want to give this to the Lord, but my flesh is weak. And so it came a point where it was just, as soon as I got the money, I gave it straight out. I set up a standing order. I asked Lenny for a standing order sheet because I knew that this was a way of guarding my heart because <laughs> my flesh was weak at times. And as soon as my monies came in, my money went out. And then I got to steward the rest of this off the back of it. Guard our hearts. Live unto the Lord in this way. And then finally, I would just simply say this, evaluate your giving regularly. There's different seasons and different moments. Your money's coming in, it'll change. Don't be thinking that you just got to keep your tithe the same and that'll do you for the next five years the same amount. It's like on a, on a seasonal basis, I would encourage you to evaluate this because, guys, this is part of our devotion unto the Lord. So be thinking, well, what is 10% in this season? What is 10% in this week? Because it might not be. That you might have got a salary increase. You might have got a change. might have been a reduction even. And so it's even thinking, what is 10%? in this season, and what does it look like? And with all of this, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, because this is where, as a people, I know I feel quite a heaviness in what we're saying, but guys, this is what I want us to hear, with our eyes towards him, and a part of that redemptive hermeneutic, this is where God starts to help us to live alive, and fully, and with minds that are just focused on him, and in his ways, this is more we get to enjoy him, and the life of what it is as a believer, not living anymore in the mindset of the old way it was, and thinking just purely about me, and mine, and the way that I want to do things, but as God, I want to honor you, I want to devote my life onto you, and with this, with the first fruits of who I am, this is part of my giving, Phil's, Phil's going to speak next week, and we'll probably correct all the theological things I've got wrong, uh, on this perhaps maybe as well and we're, we just want to we just want to stay on this i'm going to look at the final two pieces as well in our last week before we get into christmas but this is my encouragement to you this week stand with me a second will you and with this we're done we've been trying to finish every week with this verse from the end of joshua You've got to choose today for yourself, young and old, different seasons of life. You've got to choose. This isn't a legalistic thing where I'm saying you must. But if we want to be a people that live fully and wholly devoted unto him, these are some of the ways that he asks us to do it. And so for you in this season, I just want you to take a minute here as you stand before the Lord. And I want you to ask him, if you don't do this, why not allow him to speak into that? Allow him to provoke your thoughts. Allow him to lead you. No one else. And start to think what it means for you. So what, what does that mean in terms of your tithing in this season? What does it mean for these other nine buckets in terms of your generosity and how you're outworking the rest of your life? Allow the Holy Spirit just in the stillness of this. And then I'm going to pray for us and release us just to go and get some tea and coffee. So come Holy Spirit. God, we welcome you. As a people, we want to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness in our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray, speak to us individually, just in the stillness of these last moments.
Jesus, thank you that when you came, you gave it all. Thank you what you demonstrated to us, Jesus, of a life of surrender and sacrifice unto the Father. You came and you just modeled out someone who just abandoned everything for the pure joy of the kingdom of God amongst us and in our lives. And God, I just pray that over each of us, Lord, even as we question individually about what it is about tithing, we want to pray for these other nine buckets. God, I pray in this season and in this difficult moment, I pray wisdom, God, over every mind, over every household. God, I pray in this season where it is a season of lack, God, I just pray, Lord, just supernatural wisdom over every life, God, about how we steward well, God, what you have given to us. We say thank you for your faithfulness to us, God. We thank you for our daily bread. And yet, God, in this, in this season, we just pray, God, more than ever, give us ears to hear what you're calling us to do. Help us to be obedient, to step after you, God. And in this, I pray that over us as a as another next moment for us, God, as a people. God, whether it's the first time tithing or, Lord, just re-engaging with it in a fresh way, we just want to give this and present it to you and say, Holy Spirit, lead us into the fullness of what you have. And God, even this day, we just pray your blessing over us, peace over us, God, the rest of this day and this week, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for following along.